0: Welcome to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts, Hugo che and uh, Ralph Velasco. Uh, today, our guest uh, is a longtime friend of mine with whom uh, I used to have a show on YouTube where we interviewed people, then I migrated to a podcast format, uh, Michael Mures. Is that how you pronounce your name these days, Michael? Um.
1: Oh, hi, Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want a French version, it's gonna be Muraz. But I know that in the English-speaking world, uh, it's a little hard. So Muraz is fine. Okay. And, we'll, um,
0: we'll, we'll talk about your origins, your fr- French origins, <coughs> in a bit. Um, but first, I would like also to welcome uh, Ralph, our usual co-host here, who these days is in Madrid. I think is that right?
2: That's right. I'm in Madrid. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you, Michael. This is the first time we've met, actually.
1: Yes, nice to meet you, too.
0: How's the paella?
2: Paella has been very good, very good. Uh, I've been uh, definitely enjoying the food here in Spain. It's uh, one of my favorite things about this country, but I, I always feel like I'm back home when I come to Spain, and especially Madrid. I studied here in 1979 in high school, so I've been coming here for a long, long time.
0: So about our guest, uh, Michael Muras, if you like, a commercial architectural (laughs) photographer from Toronto, Canada, uh, originally from France, uh, who says he fell in love uh, with photography while traveling. uh, So he has a background in engineering, and he had a full-time job as an engineer, and then decided to to switch over to commercial photography full-time. We will talk about the, the reasons for for that decision, but um, he has a very interesting website anotherangle.eu, otherangle dot eu, which, by the way, belies belie- your uh, European origin. You moved to Canada. Yes, I'm You moved obviously. to Canada, but the domain is still dot eu. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, would, would you like to to tell us a bit about your decision to to move to? canada i mean you were born in france in the heart of old europe which has yes an, i was uh, yeah a great heritage of ancient architecture but then you moved to toronto and it looks like most of your subjects are items uh, specimens of modern architecture so was this because you were terminally bored with medieval castles or what
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um no i mean castles are still fine um so yeah i i, I was born in france i I lived there for like until I was, I think, 26, so like until three years ago. And um, I, I mean, I, I lived there, I, I studied there, I worked there, and then uh, I just wanted to travel and live in uh, foreign countries for a well, while, not, you know, just the traveling for a few weeks and something like that. Then I had the opportunity to be in Canada in 2012 in Vancouver, so kind of the other side of uh, the country. <laughs> Um And I really liked it, and um I actually um uh, we I came back in two thousand and thirteen um and i've been loving it here uh, since Toronto is very central it 's easy to travel in all of north america um and then for the architecture yes it's a very very different setting than uh, some of uh, european cities uh, I think i've always been attracted to more modern architecture um so um I mean Toronto is growing. Um, at a pace that's very very fast Uh, there's new buildings all the time so it's very exciting uh, for uh, architecture that's for sure
0: you find your uh, your home there um yeah i'm good i'm good here (laughs) professionally and uh, and everything
1: yeah exactly it's just it's it's all of it that's yeah very nice
0: good
2: on your website, you mentioned that in early 2015, you decided to leave your job to work full-time as a commercial architecture photographer. I'm sure that many of our listeners may be at a similar crossroads. Uh, can you tell us about what went into that decision? I mean, how scary was it you know, to, to make that transition?
1: Well, I'm going to say, first of all, don't do it like I did it. Uh, <laughs> 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 because I basically quit my job I had one client Um, (laughs) 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 so no okay so uh, I had been thinking about it for a little while um, and I it was in the plans for me to transition to that um, and I was starting to try to get clients and um, I had the, like, I was lucky because the job I was at, I, I we had a like an arrangement, like a number of employees at that where I could work a little more every day and then take a day off every two weeks. So like every other Friday I would have a, an entire day off that I could actually use to go see a client if I had to or things like that. So that, that was helpful. Uh, but then my company announced that they were moving, which would make my commute a, kind of a nightmare. So I was going to leave the company anyway. And I kind of decided that um, I didn't really want to look for another job and like quit that job in maybe six months. Um, at the time, my girlfriend at the time, we discussed it and it was like we decided that we would try it that way and then I could always find try to go back to a normal job if it wasn't working. Uh, I, for sure having someone that would help financially like support the couple uh, was better. Um, but what it at the at that moment it wasn't that scary. When I think about it and talk about it now I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, it's uh it was so just a little bit of background. Like I didn't go in that in that direction. Just thinking I'll do photography all day and it's going to be ex- cool and I'm just going to shoot buildings and it's going to happen. I actually thought about the business very seriously before and I knew what kind of client I could get and uh, I already had pricing in mind and how much it, it could be. So like it was reasonable and I had an idea of the market and um, so it was really well thought out. I didn't I I didn't just quit my job. And decide and say what now?
0: So there was uh, some preparation time. I mean, a transition period where you those six months where you prepared your uh, your next venture. Yeah,
1: I mean, what happened is basically the transition should probably have happened over a year, and then in this one point where I decided, yeah, actually, it's happening much more much faster than that. So it accelerated everything, and uh, and then but. I went into that knowing like, um, that there was, uh, there was a market and there was uh, money to be made in this market in Toronto specifically because one big factor was the construction boom in Toronto that has been going for, on for like 10 years means that there's a lot of work here. So um, that's also something that was uh, decisive for me.
0: And of course, you don't just uh, shoot in Toronto. I mean, our podcast is, of course, about travel. But you also yes. do, do travel quite a bit. You have a section about travel on your website. I would like to ask you, uh, when you travel, do you select your destinations based on the types of subjects that you expect to find at a certain place? I know you've traveled to places like New York, Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, which are, I mean, hotbeds of modern architecture. So that's probably, I, I think it's probably one of the reasons that makes you choose those places instead of, say, the Grand Canyon?
1: Well, but uh, I. I, I, I will say that I usually have like kind of two kind of trips. I will have my trips that are more like architecture oriented. And I also have some time from time to time and I don't necessarily post as much online because it's very different. I also enjoy some of the landscape stuff, but I will have some trips that are definitely very architecture oriented and I'm picking either the city, but most importantly the places where I'm going in a city because like New York or LA is, are very big places. And yeah, there's a, I will, I'm going there for the architecture and I'm planning my trip around the architecture or the cityscape sometimes, um, because I like that too. Um, so like it means prepare, like looking for a location online, um, making sure I'm there at the right time of day. Um, because like the light is on the right side of the building or, um, if it's a cityscape location, more like more that type of like wider shots than being there at blue hour or at sunrise and stuff like that so there's a quite a big amount of preparation usually for my trips
2: who are some of your clients that uh, you're working with these days
1: uh so a lot of them are architecture firms um so i tend to work with like bigger like um like bigger firms not like um the architect you're going to hire to redo your house, uh, but the the types of architects that are going to do a library or an office tower or things like that. So most of them are, for now, um, located in Toronto. Um, Like, I'm not working for big names yet, Um, but it's a lot of architecture firms, some interior designers, some developers, um, yeah, all that kind of industry um, around the, the construction, like the real estate industry.
2: How do you go about securing those kinds of, of clients? Uh, I mean, you know, someone that's looking to get into this type of commercial photography, how can they hope to you know, start approaching that level of client?
1: Well, I mean, there's uh, several ways. Uh, a number of people will try the uh, soft approach, which is like start with real estate and shoot houses and work your way up because once you get the houses, you can get the interior designers and stuff like that. I kind of went the harder way where I decided to go the higher end clients right away. And, um, I actually, and it was, that was uh, inspired partially by, uh, Mabry Campbell, which is a photographer from, uh, Houston, Texas, who also does commercial architecture who helped me a lot when I started out. Um, Ways architects, especially the way I market myself is especially in Toronto, where there's often new buildings. I actually wait for a new building to be built. I go take pictures and then I contact the marketing people at that firm, sending them the pictures of the the building. Because it's a really good way to break the ice. It's their building. If they show it to the actual designer, sometimes that happens. You know, there's always that little ego that plays. uh, Because if they like the picture of their own building, it definitely gets their conversation started. And then I've got a number of clients that have uh, either bought the pictures or even just started hiring me after that because they like the work I did of their own building.
0: Do you have any suggestions or tips for people who want to do architectural photography about uh, I don't know technique, uh, composition, what what to look out for in uh, in architectural photography?
1: Well, I mean architectural photography is wide I think it's very wide uh, medium still because like I will have my kind of photography I do for my clients that is very uh which is about documenting the space so you want to be like having like wire shots usually um it's a lot of using the uh, tilt shift lenses you have like your vertical lines that are straight um it's it's about showing the space maybe including some people um blue hour dust shots are always very work very well that's my favorite time to shoot a building like that um, because you have like the glow of the the lights of the building um it's really really nice and then it's, What I also shoot for more personally is more like abstract, um, architecture. So where you focus on detail. So it's a very different process. And then that's more about like really looking at shapes, um, patterns, um, shadows, contrast, all those uh, little things about the, the details of a building. So it could be very minimalist, um, yeah, I mean, if you want inspiration, go on and and look for architecture stuff on Instagram. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lot of accounts that post a lot of architecture stuff. It's really good.
0: What about gear equipment? Uh, you you mentioned tilt shift lenses, which uh, I think are a staple of the architectural photography yes. uh, style. I guess uh, you need a very good tripod. Uh, what else? What uh, in terms of cameras? Uh, is there a minimum required level of uh, quality? You need a full-frame camera, certain number of megapixels because clients want to print, want large prints. What's the what's the typical? Uh, what, what's in your bag typically? Let's say.
1: So. Um just to give you a little story about the gear. When I started out, when I quit my job, uh, for at least six months, I shoot. I was shooting with an icon crop sensor and no tilt shift, And I still got clients. And mm-hmm. no one said anything ever. So, I mean, yeah, tilt shifts are great. They make it better. And um, it's easier for the process. But you don't need actual fancy gear. I added 12 megapixels, camera, crop sensor... Um, and I was still hired, and I still managed to get clients with that. So it's not all about the gear, actually. Uh, what I shoot now um, is a Sony A7R II, uh, which I put uh, adapt the Canon tilt-shifts on with an adapter. Um, and... Um, It's pretty simple, especially for exteriors. Um, It's just my tripod, uh, my tail shift lens. I use the 24 millimeters most of the time unless the building is really tall. And then I go to a 17 millimeter. Um, And that's about it, honestly. For interiors, if you go to more like intricate stuff, you can use lighting. And so that means strobes, that's been umbrella stands and all that stuff if you want to go a little like a little further especially if you're doing residential things um and you have like hotel rooms or a restaurant and things like that
0: you have on your website uh, that series of photographs of uh, like very wide panoramas of skylines like new york toronto are these one photo or they're stitched panoramas
1: that's stitched panoramas uh it's usually six seven pictures um uh, vertical ones usually um uh, yeah 6 7 pictures horizontal uh, well uh in portrait mode um yeah. <laughs> and then yeah i just uh, pan horizontally um yeah and that gives uh especially now that with the Sony, the, the camera i have which is 40 megapixels it brings pretty big um pretty big files <laughs> big
0: files yeah i can imagine
2: <laughs> are you using special heads for your tripod for those kind of panoramas
1: uh, not for panels, actually. Um, as long I, what I try to do is make the, 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 I mean, you could use a panel head where it's basically where standard, the center of the head is actually the, uh, on the lens, which makes the perspective better, but it's, I don't do enough panels for that. I have a special, uh, head, um, for my, uh, architecture work, which is a geared head. So, um, uh, to explain that, um, you know how like when you have like a three-way head, you have to unlock, then move, and then relock each direction? Usually, it's really hard to do that and do a very small increment to sl- only move a little bit. So gear head, you don't have to unlock and lock. It's just a knob that you turn, and it moves in, in real time. So it's three knobs instead of like... And it's just small gears, and it's always in the right position. There's no lock or unlock. So it's very precise. Uh, I have a kind of cheap one from Manfrotto. There's a big one from Arca Swiss that costs like, I think $1,500. That's the reference for architecture photographers. Um, because it makes, it allows us to make very small um, adjustments. And when you do a composition in architecture photography, sometimes moving it slightly a degree or moving a tripod an inch can uh, change the entire composition. So um, that's very useful.
2: Yeah. I saw on your website that you've got a, an ebook on, uh, about Chicago. And I'm, I'm from Chicago, as many of our listeners might know. But uh, I I started out my photography career shooting in the city of Chicago. And I loved architecture. My first image that I ever sold was actually to a building. <laughs> um, nice. That, uh, yeah, uh, I think I got $200 for it. And the, the, I think I put it up on a, like a contest website or something. Somehow they found it and, uh, I got $200 for it. So that was pretty cool. Yes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So that you know, made me think, wow, uh, can I call myself a professional now? I got paid for a picture. Um, but my, my, my question is, um, I, I was looking at your website and I was really impressed with the, the detail shots and you mentioned those earlier. And I used to love to take those kinds of shots, but, uh, uh, yours are definitely another level from what i was taking back <laughs> thank <then>. you <laughs> just, yeah just stunning so people uh, please uh, visit michael's website uh, um, you talked a little bit about you know looking for patterns and lines and contrast shadows uh, can you delve a little bit deeper into you know, what people should be looking for for those types of images
1: sure um so I mean, the thing is with like abstracts, it's or it's. I mean, it's it's detail shots. A lot of them tend to go to the more like abstract way, um, just because you're kind of like removing a lot of. I think to me, I tend to um, focus on details, which means. Specific part of the building, so it could be a feature, it could be uh, just an angle. So it usually means a lot of like trying to um, remove a lot of the distraction. So it means finding one place in the building that's uh, that's interesting because there's shapes. And what's um, interesting is uh, it is a lot of those buildings. If you just move, like I said, if. The like one step left or one step right, you will you will really change the composition. So I will really encourage people to go around a building and study a building. It's like spend two, three, four hours on the same building, and then you look at all the angles. And then even once you find a nice composition and you think it's a good shot, then move a step to the right or forward or backward or zoom in, and and then that will. Change it again completely, especially with more sculptural buildings that have like interesting shapes and angles and like curves. Um, it's it's really uh, about looking and uh, finding how to adjust, like kind of organize all those elements in the picture.
0: So I would like to introduce a little bit of a sensitive topic here, and uh, because many buildings and landmarks today. Especially the newest ones, which are your main subjects, uh, are more and more encumbered by copyrights, restrictions on what you can photograph, especially commercially. And uh, this question was, well, actually, I had this question in mind earlier, but just this morning, I saw a friend of mine on Facebook post uh, about a photo that he took in New York of the One World Trade Center, or aka the Freedom Tower. And he had it on a website where he was selling prints. And he got a takedown notice from the Port Authority of New York, which uh, they basically said, "Okay, we we own the copyright to this building. You cannot sell photos of one one World Trade Center. And the photo was taken down by, by the website. So this is a situation that is becoming more and more common. How do you deal with this state of things, with with your photos that you want to sell commercially
1: so um, it depends first when on the commercial side um, I tend I the, the pictures I take of buildings for com- like commercial work are only sold to um, Im- like companies that are involved in the project so it could be the architect it could be the client that asked uh, that owns the building it could be the construction company and in those cases it's never an issue because the, if I were to sell to the let's say the competitor that has nothing to do with the building yeah that would probably Get me in trouble for the more like fine art like personal stuff um i think i don't sell a lot of that to be honest it's not my focus at all so i don't necessarily have the issue um i think it really depends on a number of things um, especially with abstracts this thing is i think part of the copyright is also when the building is recognizable like you can know instantly that's the building some of our abstracts, unless you know well architecture, most people will not know which building it is. And um, so it, there's that. I know um, it's, for example, if you sell a uh, stock photography and you have the Empire State Building or the Eiffel Tower or also uh, One World Trade Center in your picture, I think the limit is if it's the main subject or if it's just kind of there in the picture in the background. And if it's the main subject, then yeah, you cannot sell uh, the picture. But if it's part of a wider view, usually you're fine. So the problem is it's really hard to know where's the limit. It's not necessarily easy to know which buildings have a copyright. I mean, they all do. Sometimes it's the owner, sometimes it's the architect. In the case you mentioned, apparently the Ports uh, Ports, uh, Authority of New York managed to get the copyright from the architect because the design is not theirs originally. Um, So it's very complicated. Um, And I think in most cases, you, un- I would say if you sell prints, I think you probably are fine most of the time. And again, we're, I'm not a lawyer, so don't get my word for it. I'm just, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but if you were to, for example, sell your images for, I don't know, Nike to make a billboard, yeah, of that would probably be a lot more like a bigger issue, um, so uh-huh. I think it depends
0: on the usage. I don't think you would have an issue, as you said, if you have like uh, four of the pan- wide panorama of the yeah. skyline of Manhattan. And it would include, of course, one World Trade Center and uh, was that Eight Spruce Street by Frank yes. and the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building and probably a hundred other buildings uh, exactly. which are recognizable. But they are all part of a composition. It's, it's, the subject is Manhattan. It's not specifically yes. that. So probably there you would have less problems, but you, you never know, right? I mean, until they decide to give, send you a takedown notice or sue you and ask for damages, you, you don't know. So that's a bit of a, you have to be careful problem.
1: Yeah, I, you do, and um, I think if you are in that world and you especially sell a lot to uh, other companies, uh, like to commercial, uh, like to brands and things like that, more like stock photography, somewhat, you license a lot. I think you should you should have a um, a talk with a lawyer because, um, like a. Um, IP lawyer, not a normal lawyer, someone who knows actually uh, about intellectual property. And maybe it's a case-by-case. Case. I don't know. It's uh, Maybe it's a, if you have a really big project, maybe it's uh, actually contacting the, uh, the owner of the building or the architect, depending on who has the copyright, and um, asking for permission and um, even giving them a royalty if that's what they want. I don't think that's really what they want. I think they want to control... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what the building is associated with more than the money that uh, people are making out of it. Um, yeah.
2: Do you have a favorite architect? I mean, uh, I know you do a lot of Calatrava and geary Hadid. Uh, any that uh, you know that you just like to photograph over and over again?
1: So it's a it's a real hard question um, <laughs> to narrow. It, I kind of narrow it down to one. Um, as a matter of like the architecture, especially the details, the abstracts, I think Gary would probably would be one of my favorites, just because he has various cultural buildings that uh, tend to be very good for like abstracts and uh, things like that. Uh, it's better than just a normal like like box tower, uh, for example. But uh, lately, one of the architects that's getting well known that I really like because I like how his work is uh, in the envi- like in in context with the rest of the buildings, is Björk Ingels. His firm is big, B I G, it's from Denmark. He's um, quickly becoming very well known. He just had last year a building completed in New York City, uh, VIA 57, that I photographed um, when I was there uh, for out of New York. And he has a number of other projects, one or two in Canada um, and in the US, and it's growing fast. And uh, I really like his work.
0: And Frank Gehry is Canadian, so you cannot help but love it. <laughs> He's
1: actually American, but he was born in Canada. Yes, he was born in Toronto. And um, he actually has only one building that he did in Toronto. But um, we're waiting for a couple of towers that should come pretty soon. Cool. And he, yeah, yeah, really.
0: Another thing that I found on your website was a blog post, which is titled, How I Shot Legally from Rooftops in Manhattan. And again, we're into... Discussing legality and stuff like that. And it sparked my curiosity because it was all about uh, securing permission. It was not about copyright. It was more about securing permission for shooting uh, uh, views of Manhattan from rooftops. Uh, And... uh, without intruding in, into anyone's property. So I would like to know, once you have uh, identified a location that you would like to shoot from, how do you find out, for instance, who is the owner and who to contact for in order to ask for permission?
1: So, I mean, in, the, in that specific case, um, I targeted uh, actually bars and restaurants that had... Um, a like that were at the last floor of buildings in uh, New York city, because especially in New York city, you have a lot of those, they have like a rooftop patio or um, even some of them have like, like a swimming pool outside and stuff like that. So, because it was just a lot easier to contact those people than to find out owners of buildings um I went for that I found like there's a couple like a number of places, one in near Times square uh one near the Empire State building so in that case, I just sent an email honestly to the contact info on the the website of like the restaurant or the bar and um I sent a number of them and I was there for four or five days. I wanted only to shoot around like blue hour or sunset. I actually had too many respond, more than I expected. Uh, I just offered to give them the pictures mm-hmm. and in exchange for access. And most of them said yes. I even had a one that was a hotel Um, so they own everything and they let me actually shoot the hotel. So they give me access to a couple of the rooms, just because I ask. And of course I let them use the pictures. But, uh, um, the thing is like, I know a lot of people say, uh, better to ask uh, for forgiveness than uh, permission. And it's true in a number of cases, but in cases like this, um, just being nice and upfront about it is often goes a long way. Uh, um, because people are actually are happy to get new pictures or from their rooftop that they don't have to pay for, and y- they know you will somewhat like advertise it a little bit and things like that. So, um,
0: yeah. So it was actually easier than, than you thought, which uh, yes. makes me feel a little bit silly because I was last time I was in uh, in New York, it was uh, last February actually, and I was in this hotel in, in downtown. Uh, at 20 floors and they had a bar at the top floor so I went there one evening and I did, took some pictures, I didn't think of bringing my tripod or anything but then one morning it was a, there was an awesome uh, sunrise it was just after a storm uh, so the sun shining beneath the clouds all the orange clouds in the sky I said, ok, this is going to be a great view so I just uh, yeah. took the elevator up to the top floor, it was 7am but the bar was closed I didn't even think of asking. I, I should have asked the, the people there, can you open the bar for me? For me, I might go in, take some photos, and then you can use them. I didn't, yeah, didn't especially even I should have. I should.
1: Yeah, especially that you're a client of the hotel, which is even easier because yeah. you're already paying. Yeah. Like for example, I remember in Chicago, um, there's a bar that's called the Cityscape Bar. So it's at the Holiday Inn and, and along the river, and it's just really nice views of the river. And then one time, I just went there um, and then sat down, had a drink, and after having a drink and you know being a client, I just asked, "Can I shoot from here?" with my tripod and they're like yeah sure no problem and they'll just let me Mm -hmm. so just you know it's people are nicer than we give them credit for um there's obviously some buildings that will be issues if you try to shoot in any lobby of any commercial like office building in big cities it will never happen because they have like uh strict um um, instructions to kick you out of the lobby, the security uh, guards. But if you ask like businesses to actually where you go and you can maybe have a dinner or have a drink, and then you ask them, usually they're they're here to please you. They're not here to uh, be annoying.
0: Sure, very very interesting. Something that I didn't uh, expect, but it's uh, it's good to know. Yeah.
1: I know. I mean, I, I when I contacted people, I expect maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get one or two, and I got at least four or five responses. So, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty good.
2: We're, uh, was it partially about your letting them know that you're a, pro- a professional commercial photographer and showing them your work that this was the kind of work that you could provide them after,
1: or I can wasn't anyone at the do?
2: Time. Oh, you weren't okay.
1: But I did tell, show them my website uh, to give them an idea of my work. Like in my email, I was like, "Here's the kind of work I do." Uh, so the that was more. I was more interested in city views, like cityscapes, at that point. Uh, uh, so that's what they saw, and then they saw I, I I'm assuming they liked what they saw, and that helped. So I mean, if you're you're confident in your work, why not show them to them so they actually like? They will actually know. Um, what they can expect, so it just helps. Okay. And if you are an established professional photographer, it's probably helping. On top of that, as long as you're clear about how you're gonna, like, are you using the pictures? That's the downside of saying you're professional, because sometimes people will get, like, for example, a couple of places they responded and say, "Yeah, well, we charge a fee for photo shoots," because they tend to charge fees for like when they do a photo shoot in the space or filming, and they was like. Fifteen hundred dollars an hour. I'm like, or something crazy like that. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no your your view is not worth that to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the when you put the professional card, sometimes you can backfire because they they yeah. think you're gonna make money out of the pictures, and then they want to charge for that. So that's Absolutely. something to navigate, I guess.
2: I could see that. Great.
1: Well Michael uh, I
2: think we've come to the end of our show time here uh, do you have any upcoming workshops that you've got planned that you want to tell our listeners about
1: um I do actually uh, i <laughs> you I will so at the time of we're recording it's not announced yet uh, <laughs> but um' we'll, I will be. Announcing, And then by the time you're listening to this, it will be announced a workshop in um, Toronto um, that I will be leading at the end of May. So May 26, 27, 28, uh, I will be teaching the workshop with uh, Angie MacMonigal, which is a great uh, architectural photographer from uh, Chicago. Uh, she does like wonderful, like abstract work, um, like more details. So more the fine art stuff. Um, and then we'll shoot architecture and cityscapes around Toronto so we have like a number of great uh, locations, there's a couple of buildings uh, by Frank Gehry there's one by Calatrava um, and other architects Um, and then some city views, is like the nice skyline view from the uh, islands that we'll get uh, at dusk uh, sunset, so it's going to be great, a lot of walking and uh, all around
0: It's really a pity that I'm doing a short layover in Toronto in June and I'm not being able to meet you because you will be in Chicago at that time
1: yeah that's not gonna work out I think I haven't booked my tickets yet but uh, I guess I'll just have to let you know where to go (laughs) yeah you will have to
0: send me a map with all the points uh, because I cannot go there with you Uh, yeah the reason is because you are going to the for the out of Chicago conference there so I think it's worthwhile giving them a shout out we already did this um on the show already but it's worthwhile to give out of chicago a shout out he will be teaching there and i will be giving talks too. and so it will be another yeah. opportunity to to meet in person this time so that'll be june 23 to 25 i think
1: yeah and it's a really a great conference um it's well organized it's um uh, I mean, it's very, it's smaller scale. I think there's like, I don't know, 300, 400 people, um, something like that. Um, you get to meet the uh, the instructors really easily and then um, you get to shoot a lot. That's what's great. You have photo walks, you have like workshops, you have everything. You get to shoot a lot in that conference and it's really amazing. It's a really great conference.
0: Anyway, where can people go and find more about you online and your workshops?
1: Well, you can, uh, well, my, v- Website is anotherangle.eu, so the workshop and all that, my blog, uh, all that is over there. And then everywhere on social media, just look for my name, Michael Mraz. Um, There's only one. (laughs) No confusion here. So, I mean, I'm like on Facebook, on, well, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I try to be quite uh, posting quite a bit on Instagram. Um, And, um, yeah, that's about it
0: great i used to say the same thing that i was the only one with my name online and then i found out there's uh, it's now a guy who rides horses and has my name and about damn it <laughs> <laughs> he stole about uh, a few of my entries on google's first page of results for my name i'm really oh wow i'm really pissed Competition.
1: off <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i'm fine i have a very very french name and um so um there's not even a lot of names like that in France so I'm I'm, I'm safe I'm still now. number
0: one so, so I'll try yes. to keep that <laughs> so Ralph any any parting words from you
2: no this has been great I have always had an interest in architectural photography uh, it wasn't any yes you know, it you know with travel photography uh, it's a lot of different kinds of photography and architecture is one part of that so uh, yeah. this has been really great and uh I uh, really just want to encourage everyone to uh, visit Michael's website and uh, check out his wonderful work.
0: Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes to everything. So mm-hmm. for now, uh, thank you, Michael. I'll see well, you thank you Chicago. for having me. It's been great. And uh, Ralph, what about you? You're in Madrid. What's next uh, in your uh, long list of uh, destinations that you're going to, to travel this year? What, what after Madrid? What's upcoming? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I'm uh, spending some time in Spain and Portugal working on the uh, tour organizer training program that I'm putting together. And uh, coming up in May, I've got a trip to Morocco that's sold out. Uh, I do have some spaces left on my Capitals of the Baltics trip. That's Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. That trip is a go, but we are looking for a few more participants. And also uh, I've got an Iceland trip from july 1st through 9th this year and uh, so people that are interested in seeing that incredible island nation uh can visit my website photoenrichment.com look for more information under tours but we'll also put a link in the show notes we're looking for a few more people there great google how about you where can people find you online what do you have coming up
0: oh uh as usual at ucphoto.me um I have a couple of trips coming up, one to France, one to Belgium, but I would just like to to mention if people are interested that I just published a new ebook. And uh you will be able to find it at my website at ucphoto.me. Uh it will be there on the home page so you don't have to, to look around. And it's not about travel, it's about marketing, because I get a lot of questions for People who would like to know how to make a living out of photography or even how to make some money out of photography, the same topic that we were discussing here with Michael, how to break through commercially and so on. So it's a free ebook. You can find it's called uh, Simple Marketing Strategies for Photographers, and you can find everything about it on my homepage at ucphoto.me.
2: Yeah, and if you'd like to find me on the web, uh, just look for at Photo Enrichment or at Ralph Velasco on all the social media
0: platforms.
2: And uh, please uh, reach out and I'll uh, uh, be glad to follow you back.
0: And one more thing uh, if, uh, our, to our listeners, if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, uh, it's always very much appreciated. So please do. We love them. We also love reading them. We, we need to remember to... Get some uh, some reviews off iTunes and uh, and read them live to to thank our reviewers. We'll do it next time for sure. So for now, that's That'll all. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Michael again. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you. And, uh, see you soon. All the best and take care.
2: All right, thanks guys. Now let's get out and shoot.